Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 25, yeah, 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm Bic Nazar, Elon, Dom, behind the glass. And, of course, you, the people, part of the people's show, 650-650, texting in to our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, with three stores to serve you. In Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner, Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Been away for a few days? What have I missed, Dom? Uh, Izzy hosting the show? We're going to have to cut back on the uh, baseball content all of a sudden on the show after Israel Fair hosting the the show for a couple of days. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there might, you know, will be much baseball content here moving forward. <laughs> I'm kidding. Big shout out to Israel Fair, uh, senior editor at the Athletic, for filling in uh, for a couple of days. But we look ahead now uh, to a Canucks game day. Uh, you'll hear it on these airwaves later today. Brendan Batchelor, Randy Janda with the call. Dan and Sat will have the pregame show for you on a TV pregame night, Dom. Yeah, we got a TV pregame tonight, 6.30 on Sportsnet Pacific. Uh, pregame show starts at 6 o'clock with Batch and Randeep as well. Plus postgame with myself and Satyar Shah. Taking you to 11.30. But let's start with Andre Kuzmenko. Making news today with his decision not to wear a warm-up pride jersey this evening. Needless to say, this is disheartening and disappoint, disappointing and should leave you frustrated. And yet it shouldn't overshadow what is actually being done to present this evening tonight. His decision comes with the served criticism and the immediate reaction is to react to the rawness of a news of feeling all those emotions, being disappointed and being frustrated. But I want to state this. Andre Kuzmenko is not the star of this evening. It's not Kuzmenko night. It's Pride night. And tonight is for the 2SL GBTQIA plus community. That's what this is for tonight. And we have a natural race to push towards the negative angle of a story. And you've heard me say that. I, I discuss the things that are most interesting. I try to present opinions that are the most interesting. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about trying to be in the interesting business. And while I subscribe to that theory wholeheartedly when discussing topics like we do in the sports arena, it's important to remain interesting. We aren't talking about sports here. We're talking about a societal issue that involves an athlete. And while we will discuss it, it's only interesting if I choose to acknowledge his decision impacts the conversation. And it doesn't. You don't want to back the community? You have forums to do that. If you're choosing to be stuck in the past then stay left behind. Your opinion becomes irrelevant on these issues. And I'm not going to waste my energy on irrelevance when I want to focus on the celebration. And tonight will be a great night. Canucks have done a lot to set this night up. You've seen all the releases. You've seen all the events that will happen throughout this evening in the plaza during the game. There should be a focus on the positive impact 
that this will create and does create, one person, one person's decision does not impact the potential lasting legacy these evenings can have. 650-650, you can chime in with your thoughts on anything involving the team this evening. And moving forward as well, Philip Peronik uh, out and won't be around. We will talk to Kevin Woodley in just a moment as well from NHL.com, In Goal Magazine, and the In Goal Radio Podcast as well. And we'll get into a bunch of uh, other things throughout the course of this evening, but I want to start the show uh, with that. You can chime in with what you have to say as well. Uh, Canucks could have easily avoided this Kuzmenko fiasco with the Pride jersey night by saying he was out with the flu, 650-650 coming in. You know what? I get it. But at the same time, as I said, there's a difference between – and look – These players are going to have their opinions on it, and there is a process of respecting the right to make a decision and not respecting the decision. Those are two separate things. You want to stand out in this? Go ahead. That does not mean people are going to sit there and take it. It does not mean people are going to sit there and embrace it. And certainly, I would prefer people wanting to expose themselves on this rather than sit in silence. You, 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 you want to talk about it? Go ahead. But understand it comes with uh, criticisms. And suggesting that hockey is for everyone and then taking stands like this uh, will not be embraced, certainly. 650-650, keep coming in with your thoughts. We'll get to more, but let's touch with uh, base with Kevin Woodley, who joins us from In Goal Magazine, In Goal Radio Podcast, and NHL.com. Woodley, how are you? I'm good. Yourself, Vic? I'm doing awesome, man. It's been a while. Uh, so I I know you have volumes of binders and uh, filing cabinets of Belarusian goalies. Uh, have you got a scouting report for us? Couldn't find this guy uh, if you put him in a lineup. <laughs> well, as long as nobody else was 6'6". Six, six. Um, before today, but did get a little intel since today. So um, guess what? He's big. <laughs> He's 6'6". Six He's big, a large human being. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, and obviously playing in Sweden um, with the, the, you know, Belarus descent, um, you know, as soon as you hear Sweden and bang, big, you get a little nervous um, because there has been a tendency there over the years and maybe less so in the past year or two, but there has been a tendency to produce some rather uh, static goaltenders. Um, in terms of being a little, I hate the term blocking, but blocking, uh, playing everything on their knees, uh, just getting into position, uh, not necessarily dynamic. And, and it's become almost a cliched criticism of Swedish goaltending. And, but anytime you see a big goalie having success in Sweden, you worry about it a little bit. The good news is that doesn't seem to be this kid. Um, he is, I guess, your prototypical late bloomer, and that's a good thing. He did not appear to get a ton of instruction from a young age. So everything he did, despite that frame, was on instinct. And quite often, you've heard this, you've heard, you've heard me talk about this before, it happens. And again, this is evolving. This is changing even in Canada, but it's happened quite a bit in Canada, Sweden as well, where there's so much goalie coaching at such a young age um, that kids learn such good technique that they can get away with technical 
just playing and getting into space and filling space, especially when they're younger. And so they lose a lot of those instinctual elements. They don't have to learn how to make saves. Somebody's always teaching them how to make saves. And uh, by the sounds of it for this kid, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. And so his progression this year in Sweden has been like extremely quick, which shows you a lot of signs in terms of, okay, yes, he's raw. Um, but not everyone's going to pick up new things. Not everyone's going to be eager uh, to pick up new things. Not everyone is capable of picking up. Not everybody learns at the same rate. And this guy seems to have both the aptitude and the desire to sort of evolve. Like he didn't go there with any thoughts of, I'm a finished product and he certainly won't arrive here. Perhaps as early as this season, certainly the intention is next year uh, at the latest with any sort of, you know, thought that he's a finished product he knows there's work to do um you know and i think his work ethic shines through you know even you know as we're going to find out evidently speaks excellent english which would be common for swedish players but not so much so from somebody coming from belarus so um there's a lot to like here about both the physical package the competitiveness he doesn't use that physical package in a in a passive way really patient on his edges and his skates attributes that should serve him well in an increasingly dynamic east-west game where big goalies are often exposed because of a tendency to abandon their skates and go to their knees prematurely um that's that's something he's he's excellent at at least at this level so far can he maintain that patience as the pace and the skill goes up we'll see but there's a lot to like here um you know being big is not enough you have to have what ian clark would call length and so that's a combination of flexibility and competitiveness that allows you um, to, to not just drop and be big, but to get extension, to maintain seal along the ice with your pads as you're extending, to build coverage from the ice up without opening holes. And by all accounts, he has all of that. So raw, yes. But, at, at you know, it's funny because that's not necessarily a bad thing, Vic, right. uh, especially in this case. So I'm curious, like, what – well, what countries right now are, are kind of thriving with, with goaltending development? Obviously, we know about the Russian angles right now at the peak right now with uh, Shosturkin, Vasilevsky, and Sorokin. And, you know, we've seen Latvian goalies here recently and a certain investment there. But here's Belarus now, and what's the, the next wave of European goalies who's, who are having some success? Do you know? Well, I think outside of what's happening in, in the Ukraine and how that affects um, – how we view and pursue Russian hockey players, it's still the hot spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and in part, and I think you will see some other ones, uh, Slovakia, um, and in that area, for the same reasons we just talked about, and the same reasons that Russian goaltending has had the success it's had over the last little while, and for the same reasons it's going to be curious to see whether that starts to end or dissipate, because they're not overcoaching them at a young age. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not institutionalizing the development at too young an age. They're not creating a bunch of, you know, goalies that all look the same at too young an age. And that's a lot of why we're seeing success. Like they don't get the development and the coaching until later on after they've been able to you know, build some instinct, build some innate ability before you add the technical layers. Like, I mean, this goes back for like 20 some odd years that, you know, I've been sort of digging in on goaltending now at the NHL level. You ask any coach, like, what do you want? You want like a, you know, like a, a, a guy who's, you know, a finished product 
um, or somebody who's raw with more, you know, like there's more work to do, but has more raw skill. And they always want the raw skill, right? Because they can, they can develop that. Um, And you can't always teach sort of the intangible stuff, the compete, the ability to read a game, to process the patterns of the game. Um, those are things that sometimes too much technique at too young an age, that's the expense. That's what it costs you, uh, is, is that sort of need to read and process the game, uh, and, and connect those patterns and connect those dots and develop that side of your game because you're so good at just getting into position efficiently and being square And at younger ages, kids can't pick their spots on you and you have success and eventually it runs out and you haven't developed the other attributes. Every coach would rather sort of add the technical stuff later. Like if if there was a perfect development window, I think most of them would choose that. And so countries where it's not being overtaught at too young an age is, is where most of them are looking right now. Uh, We should mention uh, the goalie's name is Nikita Tolopilo as well. Uh, I was going to let you do that bit because I would have screwed it up. So that's why I kept kept just saying the big guy. I've been practicing uh, for the last little hour here. So I I managed to pull that one off. Uh, Again, Nikita Tolopilo, two-year entry-level contract. And in goalie development right now, um, you know, because there's obviously a range of bodies and, and you try to do it for different goalies. Um, as you kind of detailed there earlier, but is there a baseline that we talk about and, and look and say goalies nowadays have to win from the feet up, posts in? Like, like what is the 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 ideal framework for the ideal goalie right now? Okay, repeat the question. Just, just feet up, post in. Like, yeah, like, I'm just curious. Like, is there? Is I'll there, make sure I'm following. Is is there a defining trait that you say this is the baseline every goalie needs? Whether because you know we talk about post integration so much is like. What's the primary no, thing to, to look at and say, hey, this is why we covet goalies? You know what? Here's the, here's the beautiful part of it. And it's a bit of a non-answer, so I apologize in advance. Well, that's what I want to I certainly want to, but to uncover the odd answers. What I love about this position, what keeps it interesting, what sucked me into it, is that there is no one way to do it. Mm-hmm. There are no, I shouldn't say no, there are very few absolutes. Right, like even Ian Clark, when he was on our podcast a couple of years ago, he identified what he considers to be, you know, the seven uh, attributes of elite goaltending. Right, so you could walk through those seven, and you could pick out, you know, like you could say, hey, this is what we're looking for. Right, like I talked about length, that's one of them, and length, as I said, is is it's not just being tall or having long legs; it's the ability to extend them, the, the ability to sort of. Uh, flexibility um, to seal the ice without breaking that seal along the ice as you extend a long limb and reach out with your glove over top of it, like that flexibility, but also competitiveness to to be willing to get into those positions and battle for that space. Um, And so you could go through, even if you nail it down to those seven attributes and other goalie coaches might have different attributes that they prioritize, the mix of them, like nobody has them all at a hundredth percentile and the way they're mixed together changes and is different. That formula is different for every goaltender to have success at various stages right up to the NHL. And so there is no one answer. I would suggest as the game has gotten increasingly East West and dynamic um, that what I talked about in terms of patience on the skates and not giving up your edges prematurely uh, is one of the key attributes um, the ability to move, as silly as that sounds, especially for a big goaltender, 
um, you know, the, the, the challenges of sort of lateral movement are, are greater the bigger you are. Like, you shouldn't have to move as much or as far because you're probably playing a little deeper. But in a game that is so dynamic, you ha- like if you can't skate in today's NHL, as a goalie, you can't play. Mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot over the past couple of years, and that's becoming increasingly important. So as the game changes in front of goaltenders, some of these things, you know, the way you pri- prioritize them shifts. But even within that, there's no like there's no one formula, there's no one answer that can be applied universally. Uh, I'll give you a great example: Linus Allmark, the Boston Bruins, Jeremy Swayman. They're having a lot of success, obviously, because they're a great team. But also, like Linus Allmark is having a breakout season, and one of the things that has contributed to it is what the Bruins call recoil, and it is you know, just a, it's a phrase they use for basically having backwards flow or backwards drift in their game on purpose. And against rush attacks, so if you've got a, you know, players coming down off the rush, whether it's odd man or even man, a lot of goalies will come out a little bit and try and time their retreat with the speed of the attack, what we would call backwards flow. But once it gets in zone and gets passed around and moved around the zone, whether it's a power player five on five and say goes up to the point, I always thought, like, foundation of goaltending, like fundamental of goaltending, set and square. And essentially what the Bruins are doing is saying square, yes, but set, not so much. It doesn't matter to us. As a matter of fact, even on point shots, even on guys walking down on, in end zone play to the top of the circle, we want our goalies to be square but not set. We don't want them digging in and holding edges and being patient. We want them to retreat ever so slightly, or what we call recoil. And Linus Allmark, for all the same reasons that this shocked me, because everything in my sort of dictionary of goaltending revolved around set and square on, on end zone play, he, he bristled against it last year. But then he bought into it this year and, and, and you know, uh, pat our own back here at Ingle. Uh, he told me when they were in town that it was actually an interview with Henrik Lundqvist that I did on the Ingle Radio podcast that sort of was one of his aha moments on this. Um, he bought in this year. And look at the season he's having. And it's it's just another example where, like, I thought set and square was an absolute pick. Like, that was a mm-hmm. foundation part. Um, if you were moving on a release uh, in in-zone play, you were putting yourself at a disadvantage. But they've managed to do it in a way that has become an advantage in a game that's become increasingly east-west or off legs and, and backdoor chances because they have a little bit of that backwards momentum. Instead of dropping forward and getting stuck and having to like get all this rotation and movement to make a secondary movement, they've got a, just this slight little bit. And it could be the length of a skate. But that little bit of backwards drift that allows them to have momentum already building towards that back door, towards that second chance, towards that rebound if they don't handle it clean, and they feel like their goalies have good enough hands that they're not going to give up clean looks or get beat clean because they're backing up in their crease as shots are being loaded up. In fact, one of the things that allowed Elmark to buy in was listening to Lundquist talk about feeling like when he was deeper in his crease, he didn't back up, but he started deeper and how that gave him more time to read releases and see the puck. And so, it's, again, just to go back to that, what, what is the one thing that goalies have to have? There isn't one, because it's always changing. 
And since sort of discovering this with Allmark and the Bruins and Swayman, I've had another goalie coach whose goalie happens to be one of the top five in the NHL right now say, yeah, we do that too. And so, you know, again, like things that we thought were foundational to how you play. Like, you know, when I said there, there are no absolutes, I thought set and square was an absolute. Right. And it's not. And it's why I love the position, and it's why I can't give you a definitive answer on the number one thing that every team needs to identify in goaltenders because there just isn't one. So is is that specific to the attributes of the of those goalies? Like, is this a specific technique that those goalies can highlight, or is this an evolution of the position? Don't know that it'll be an evolution of the position because there because the reason I thought it was such an absolute. There are a lot of other people that think it's an absolute. Um, and and probably won't be teaching it. But I do know that um, in the case of the Bruins, Essence had told me that one of the things they identified in Allmark was they thought he would would benefit from this. Now, selling him on it took a while, but they identified things in his game. And listen, Linus Allmark is an incredibly skilled goaltender. Um, Always has been. Like, he's got a ton of talent. But they identified elements of his game in terms of the hands and the way he skated and the way he held edges – that they thought would make him a good candidate for adding this to his tactical or technical arsenal. And now that he has, you're seeing the results. And, hey, let's be honest, Linus will be the first one to tell you, playing behind the Boston Bruins doesn't hurt either. Uh, Good stuff, as always, man. Uh, We appreciate that. That was very interesting. Uh, We will uh, catch up with you in a couple of weeks. Good thing we, we, we didn't outline, like, ten things to get to, eh? Because you asked me to, and <laughs> I, I apologize. But, like, that one... Like, honestly, this, no, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Why I love it. Yeah. Everything changes, man. On a weekly basis, I'm learning new things about this position. And if I get to share that with you guys, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, he's at Kevin is in goal on Twitter. Make sure you follow him to uh, learn everything at in goal magazine, in goal radio podcast and NHL.com. We'll see you tonight. Thanks, Vic. See you tonight. Uh, Kevin Woodley, as he joins us every other Friday here on The People Show. Traveling in March, Rogers has you covered. Get one Rome-like home day on Rogers when you travel between now and March 31st. To learn more, go to rogers.com. Barclay Parnetta, The People's GM, joining The People Show. Vancouver Giants getting ready to start their round one series versus the Kamloops Blazers tonight. Home games coming up next week, April 4th and April 6th. Games three and four. We'll talk about it with Barclay on the other side here on the Home of the Giants, Sportsnet 650. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. Dick Nazar here on The People Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. You can text in 650-650. Uh, reason I'm laughing, we were having a conversation off mic. Uh, Dom was talking about uh, the price of bags of chips and uh, was adamant that he's still buying them despite the raised prices. I said, uh, if you're still buying them, you're kind of part of the problem if you're leaning into it. He's like, I- I got to eat. Don't got to eat chips. 
can eat anything. It doesn't have to be potato chips, does it, Dom? I'm more of a corn chip guy, and I oh, need that's to get fair. my fix. I, I, I would be hard-pressed to uh, wean myself off of corn chips. Good taste. Good taste, Dom. Good taste. Uh, all right. Uh, let's welcome in our next guest, uh, Barclay Pernetta, the People's GM, Vancouver Giants general manager, as they get set for their round one series versus Kamloops, April 4th, April 6th, games three and four at the Langley Event Center. You can jump online, VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. But let's preview the series, and let's get into conversation with Barclay Pernetta, who joins us now. How are you? Good day, good day. Uh, I'm hungry now. That's how I am after listening to you talk about corn chips. Yeah. What's your uh, meal, your 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 game day snack? Do you have something going on uh, during the game? No, no game day snacks for me. I Stress just, uh, eating popcorn I, or something like that? Pretty well. Yeah, I eat a meal before I go, and then usually eat after with the team if I can. So that's pretty well it. Uh, so uh, playoffs uh, getting underway tonight. Uh, nerves uh, heading into this one. Uh, a, a season fulfilled. Like, what's the mood uh, heading into game one? Well, I, I think we. I'm excited about the challenge we face. I'm excited about. Um, I mean, I'm confident that our staff has our team prepared to play in a series uh, where we're playing a team that's finished higher in the standing than us, but we're still going to compete. Uh, They've proven that over time and time again, that our coaching staff, our training staff, everybody just really have our, our, our team ready. And I'm not really nervous, just uh, excited about what, what's ahead of us here. Well, I, I wanted to ask about that because last year, you know, Giant Killers, uh, 8v1. And now do you come in with, with a bit of a reputation to, to, to say, and at least prove a concept to the players to say, hey, we've done this before? I think there is, and there are players that were there that experienced it. But mm-hmm. really, again, I think full marks go to the players executing what the staff gives them. And, and you know what, it's tough. Uh, this is a good club we're facing. Like Kamloops have done a lot to load up, and, and they're a powerful team that can change the game in an instant. But I just truly believe that if our players believe in themselves and stick to what the plan is, and as that sort of goes on in the game, they'll have success, 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 and build off of that, that anything can happen, as we saw last year. I suppose some of the element of surprise is lost because you did play Kamloops in the second round last year, too. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, Kamloops are a tremendous team, but yeah. I, I really like, I mean, we've got a great goaltending tandem. We've got, you know, we've got some explosive players on our roster as well that can sort of go toe-to-toe, and, and really it's how the balance is after that. Uh, you know, there's pressure, there's, the pressure's on Kamloops right now, I think, to sort of maybe, uh, as, as weird as that may sound, is to make sure that what happened last year to Everett doesn't happen to them. Uh, you mentioned the goaltending. Uh, big uh, shout out to uh, Jesper Weichmann, first team All Star, uh, picking up uh, the big uh, honor this week. Uh, just talk about uh, his season and and what he's done for your your team. Why well, Jesper gives us a chance to win every night, and you know what? And I know if you asked Jesper, he would say that his teammates and even his goaltending partner, the Brett Mirawald, all attributed to him being able to do that, but. Truly, he's like a man amongst boys. He really just, he's so dialed in as a pro, the way he works out, the way he focuses on the game and prepares himself. It's it's really nice for the GM to have goaltenders like that because truly that's, uh, I'm sure, the bane of any GM's existence is worrying about your goaltending because it's such a, a position that changes the game. You know, players, you can kind of hide in the line of a goaltender. You know, it's, it's a performance-driven uh, position, which you're in the spotlight. And when you have a guy that you're confident and comfortable with, it, it sure makes my life a lot easier. You know, there's been uh, a, a run of great D-men coming through Vancouver. Obviously, you know, Byram, Kanakalee, Burt, Mazden as well right now. 
starting a, a goaltending legacy as well with Miner and now Vikman here? I, I think so. Don't forget David Tentic. So our last yep. two goaltenders, Giants, both signed NHL contracts. I will be shocked if Jesper does not sign an NHL contract, and, and hopefully that pipeline continues. And with Matthew Hutchison and, and Burke Hood, we've got a, uh, something going good here. Obviously, Paul Fricker has his hand in this. He works with our goalies quite often. You know, he's pretty well at every practice and is involved not just with our goalies, but motivating players and just being around. So, uh, you know what, there's, there's a reason why things happen. And, and I think, you know, Paul and, and the staff, uh, full marks to the coaching staff, because that isn't just an accident. That, that's a, a product of the environment. In a sense, obviously, the skill and ability that these kids bring, they'll uh, put them in that position and, and they apply themselves and they listen. So that's the best thing about it is, it, again, biggest stress as a GM, probably a coach too, is having solid goaltending. And, and when you have that, it just makes everything else so much easier. Uh, you mentioned earlier just about the, you know, the players you know, believing themselves and, and getting ready for this opportunity. You know, what has been the biggest challenge as, as far as this year to get ready for a moment like this? Well, I think consistency for our team and just buying in. Like, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes in watching our games, uh, you know, even if we kind of get a bit of a run and gun game going that uh, we get away from the system and it sort of breaks down. And, you know, in order for us to be successful as a team, we have to play. And it sounds so cliche, but it's, I'm telling you, it's absolutely true. You don't want to match up against teams that are deep and have tons of firepower with a bunch of NHL drafted guys. You want to be executing your game plan and, and playing the best that you guys can with giving yourself a chance to win. And I, I, I've seen so many signs of it uh, consistently. It wasn't quite there, but it really got better near the course of the end of the year. And like I said, I'm excited about it. I'm not looking at this as, oh boy, we're, we're not going to be able to win a game or win a series. I actually think that we're in this series and, and I'm excited to see the games. Uh, talking to Barclay Parnetta, Vancouver Giants general manager, ahead of Game 1 versus the Kamloops Blazers. Again, Games 3 and 4 uh, will be at the Langley Event Center April 4th and 6th. Uh, you can jump online to VancouverGiants.com. Uh, off the ice and away from the playoff series, uh, good news for you the other day. Uh, sixth overall uh, by way of the lottery. Uh, so uh, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That was uh, obviously sometimes uh, you get lucky and, and things work out. I, I didn't maybe foresee that uh, that would end up being a lottery pick. Swift Current had a number of NHL drafted players. And, uh, you know, we, uh, unfortunately, the misfortune of somebody else, we sort sure. of were fortunate. So, uh, you know, we'll certainly take it. We have six and eight now this year. And I'm actually out in Winnipeg right now at the uh, program of excellence, like the U16 for the draft eligible kids for all of Manitoba, uh, sort of trying to make sure that we make the right decisions to build this off of what we had those three first-round picks last year as well. Not that you plan for something like this, but you know, what's the immediate reaction? Just your ears perk up and say, "All right, now we have to adjust a couple of things of how we're stacking everything up." No, I, you know what? Solid support from ownership. You know, Ron's very involved, and as, as other orders, owners are, and we're talking about this stuff on a daily basis. And it, it wasn't a surprise because we're watching where the picks would fall and land. So, you know, you're continuously working with your scouting staff, which I think we've got a great staff, and just making sure that, you know, you really fall to your best level of preparedness at these things because you really can't predict who or what may go somewhere. And a lot of weird things happen and you got to be ready for it. So we just have to make sure whatever we do, we're doing the best thing for the Giants to move forward here and that we're setting ourselves up for a good run for the next, you know, three to, to six years. 
Actually, it's a conversation we're having a lot with the with the pro club. We have it day to day. They're they're having a nice little end of season run, but there, there's always this trepidation of will it carry over? And I look at you, and I look at the program right now being built in the Vancouver Giants, and there's a lot of year to year success, right? It's multiple playoff appearances, albeit with the, the the pandemic and everything. But it's this repeated level of success and competed re- repeated level of compete. When you talk about like season to season carryover, like what principles do you try to uh, align yourself with that that work with that level of standard that's constantly being established? Well, there's a lot of sort of things that go like if you were to ask me, do, do things transcend uh, as far as what you build from one year to another? I would only say somewhat because people think once you have that formula figured out that you know what, okay, this will just carry over. But I got to be honest, since I've been the GM in Vancouver. We have done relatively well, I feel, but every year it's a new build. It's, there's different mm-hmm. personalities, different kids, uh, probably harder at the junior level than pro. Competitive cycles and everything like that? Yeah. Cycles, exactly. Yeah. For us, it's more about expectations, people meeting them, us being there to provide the development for the players. Communication is probably one of the biggest things. So the kids uh, aren't uh, mentally down if things aren't going well it's tough for a 16 year old to step into our league and, and be as effective as he was on his uh, elite 15 or 16 or 18 team it just doesn't happen that often so it's really learning from the older guys and just making sure that you've got the sort of foundation in place and the building blocks that everybody sort of falls into the line and figures it all out and again though different personalities so coaches takes them time to figure that out so it's a it's a work in progress every year, but I do think that if you have expectations and you're, they're high, uh, you want to set those and make people try to do your best to help them achieve them. And as long as you're doing that, I, I think you'll see improvement in clubs. I imagine the changeover too is is a big uh, aspect relative to pros, right? Because you're not dealing with multi-year contracts uh, and and certain level of staleness uh, won't reside in junior hockey because there's going to be just natural changeover. It, there is, and it's it's. Like in pro, you can sign guys to long-term deals, and you know what? In pro, you know we can make trades at this level, but it's not nearly as easy to sort of maybe go out and and sign a free agent. Uh, that's a difficult thing. I mean, right. the closest thing to that for us would be if we find a player that never went in the priority draft and put them on our list. We have a guy in our team like that actually right now, Jaden Lipinski, and that's part of building a junior team. You've got to be successful through the draft, but scouting really is imperative to help that sort of balance it all out and get those the one or two players that necessarily weren't on the radar that really popped, but it, it, it's an everyday 24 seven job to make sure that things are going in the right direction. And it's a lot of work. There's a lot of heavy lifting. There's a lot. It's just, it, it's really, uh, it's endless. It really is. And I do want to give full credit our coaching staff. They work with these kids, they're kids and they may not see what the coaches are showing them until they show it to them the 15th or 20th time, but they have the patience with them to keep showing them in that and, and then once they get it that does sort of it really just benefits and things start to move forward from there well the entire organization is doing a marvelous job uh, multiple playoff appearances here recently and uh, things get real for you tonight uh, barclay always appreciate it we'll talk soon man can i use that clip next time i need a new contract is that all right <laughs> yeah i'll get dom to send it to you right now all right, perfect. Thanks, guys. And uh, get out to the event center. You guys come out, watch those games if you can on Tuesday or Thursday. I'd love to see you out there. Absolutely. The 4th and the 6th, VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. Uh, we'll chat soon. Best of luck. Good stuff. Thanks again. Bye-bye. That's Barclay Parnetta, Vancouver Giants general manager. Again, VancouverGiants.com slash tickets.
uh, for games three and four at the LEC against the Kamloops Blazers. They're building something there. They're building something in Vancouver uh, with the Giants. Uh, again, uh, pandemic slowed things down, obviously, a bit uh, with playoffs. But last year, fantastic upset. Another opportunity for them to succeed starting tonight. You can hear it as well on uh, our alt stream this evening. Uh, it is a Canucks game day as well. So on the main, you'll hear the Canucks and also the Giants uh, home of hockey here on Sportsnet. 650 getting ready for a uh another fun weekend of sports we got the bracket wrapping up dom i'm the only one with a team left so i can pick up the w with a, a yukon victory in the final four yes sir I, I looked at the whole bracket everyone's capped out except for me so uh tomorrow is it tomorrow Tomorrow's i think good. so yeah. yeah and you're the only one that picked yukon yeah a dub and i uh win the bracket mm-hmm and uh, also a lot more going on this weekend outside of just uh, hockey. Uh, EPL back at it uh, this weekend. The table finally. The international break. Look, I, I don't know if we need an, interna- an international break this r- closely removed from uh, the World Cup. Not just that, but like Two the weeks. games are already so condensed right now. It's You're madness. Gonna, like, this year. but like between the Euros, this, this international break could have been an email, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, it wasn't friendlies. If it was friendlies, I would say, like, it could have been an email. CONCACAF Nation- Nations there, League. There, there's there's proper qualifying going on, <sighs> right? So I get Euros, it. Euros, yeah. But it, it's a little close to the World Cup. It's like, I kind of needed a break. Yeah. But because the EPL has been so exciting this year, it did feel like it takes a lot of momentum out of it. A lot of wind out of the sails as you get ready for the end of uh, season run-in. Because there's only 10, 12 matches for some teams. I know Brighton's got like 13, 14 left. Yeah. They're sitting in seventh right now. Uh, 13 matches to go. But it's getting to the nitty-gritty here. Tottenham releasing Conte. Or, M- sorry. Mutually parting ways. Mutually terminating. Yes. Mutually uh, parting ways. So they're kind amicably, of a mess. Not amicably. <laughs> Definitely yeah, no, that was not amicable. <laughs> you hold a press conference like that, that is not amicable. Did you see he was spotted on a Ryanair flight back home? Antonio Conte, not, save, save not money. too big for Ryanair. Uh, did you see LeBron James' tweet today? No, I did not. Because we're talking about you know Twitter blue and check marks and everything yeah. like that. Uh, LeBron James uh, tweeted now basically that he's not going to front up for uh, five bucks to get Twitter blue or eight bucks, whatever it is. Uh, Man, that was a hard right turn there from uh, – from soccer to Twitter no, I'm, blue. <laughs> I'm just saying, Conte saving money on Ryanair. Fair. Not flying BA or something yeah. like that. LeBron James saving money on Twitter blue. He's like, hey, I'm not paying for this. Twitter has essentially made verification irrelevant. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. just saying, rich people will try to save money too. Yeah, absolutely. That's Even how they, five bucks. That's how they got rich. They didn't spend their money. How much do you think that flight from... Uh, Ten kid. 10 quid? Yeah. From London to Italy? Yeah. Without, without 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 baggage, right? When you add the baggage, it's another 40 quid. Oh, he's leaving that at White Hart Lane or wherever yeah, they play right sure now. Is. The baggage just gets left behind. Keep Spursy. your merch. Yeah. It's, it's Spursy. You just leave it there. They're a mess right now. I, w- I wonder if they're going to hold on to four. Top four. Likely going to lose Harry Kane in the summer. Probably ends up at Old Trafford, to Probably, be honest. Probably, let's be honest. Uh, I, I don't want to see it, but... It, really? It, it just feels inevitable. 
Why would you not want to see it? He'll be fine. It just I wouldn't want to spend on a third. I wouldn't want want to spend triple digit millions uh, to get a. Well, we're not getting Oshi Man. Look, there's more than two strikers. I understand that, but you just never know about age thirty strikers. That's all I'll say. In terms of it's going to cost a ton. In terms of goal scoring, Bick. He's I get it. The EPL's Ovechkin, but I think that's why he wants to hang around. Like he can go to Bayern, he can go to anywhere. Sure, but I think he wants to hang out in the EPL because he wants to break records. And the only places he can go are Tottenham, who might not finish in Champions League spots, or Manchester United. He's not going to Arsenal. City have Holland. He's not going to Newcastle. He's not going to Liverpool. They've no. already invested. He's, like, he's, he's not going to go to a smaller club like yeah. a Brighton or a Brentford. Won't go to Chelsea probably because they can't offer Champions League. So it's only Tottenham or United. That's it. Pretty much. Unless he goes to Spain, which I doubt he But does. he won't because he, he wants to break yeah. uh, the record. He'll be a Red Devil. So this weekend, it's United versus United. Newcastle versus uh, In- Manchester. Manchester, which is uh, a replay of the League Cup final. Yes. And then the big match, I would say, is City versus Liverpool, which last season they played some of the best matches. They were also closer in the yeah. title race. But it's still a marquee sure, of event. And as Liverpool is trying to chase down four spot, this is a huge match. At the empty head, too. Yeah. <laughs> you want to repronounce that one again? The empty head? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Atmosphere will not be bumping. <laughs> massive match, because they're trying to chase down Arsenal right now. Uh, eight points back with a match in hand. So this is a huge weekend. For the EPL, I kind of think City takes this one. Liverpool, I would imagine. I, it looked like they were going to make that step after the United match, and then they stubbed their toe immediately, get a couple of results, but seven-one. Uh, yeah, yeah, those. I mean, no, I'm saying maybe they do it again. <laughs> full credit to them. Just do the Manchester sweep. Just do like yeah. fourteen to two aggregate yeah. over Manchester. Hey, just out of curiosity, where does your hate? rank fall between Liverpool and City. I hate I hate City more than I hate Liverpool. Right, but at least I have respect for Liverpool. That's the thing. Like, right. I'll throw some banter. Right. But, like, they're the biggest rival, but I want to rise above it because I have respect for them. Right. Where City, it's just like... Just hate. No, not even hate. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Really? I loathe City. I just don't like the... Like the the contrived history of it. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. And honestly, Aguero's name rings in my nightmares. Yeah. Oh. I will never forget that day. I didn't yeah. Uh, I did not celebrate, but uh I, I had a moment of exuberation. Yeah. But it, it wasn't like people were texting me that, they, that we've won and I was sending texts out like, Yeah, champions. None of that. It was a bad day. Just just Aguero Oh my god, why <laughs> am I doing this to myself? But I, I am actively Kind of rooting for Arsenal here to to try to win this one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Rivalry, lovable loser. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, let's not talk about Tottenham here. Very good. I did see something though that Man City can't claim, like from a City fan, like you know those TikToks and yeah, City fan claiming it's like yeah we're not a big club until you win the Champions League, but that also means Arsenal's not a big club. I was like, all right, yeah, let's exactly. get after it. Let's get after it. What you laughing for? <laughs> No if ands, buts or maybes. maybes. Yeah, ideal and absolutes. And uh, Julia Roberts is a United fan, so that's all that. Matters. Oh, a huge W! I gotta watch Notting Hill soon <laughs> as a, as a show of support for Julia Roberts. 
I had no idea. And then Pep's out here saying, yeah. like, big big disappointment in my career. My idol didn't show up. <laughs> my idol didn't show up. Yeah, I, I definitely got to put uh, Notting Hill on the Netflix My List uh, pretty soon. Hey, idols before your rivals. Unless they are both idols and rivals. What? Idols what? You put your idols before your rivals. Okay. Unless they're both. In which case, Julie Roberts would be an idol and a rival. All right. All right. Uh, 650-650. Uh, one of my dad's favorite jokes. I used to be, be a millionaire, but I over-tipped. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, Ramsey and Langley. Actually, we'll do this last shout-out here. Uh, do you think it's a possibility to give Maple Ridge a shout-out for the Hockeyville, uh, Craft Hockeyville? Uh, you can vote as much as you want. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, wraps up this weekend. I think so, yeah. So, uh, shout out to Maple Ridge. Trying to get that, uh, get that massive dough. one. So, yeah. jump online. Vote uh, for Craft Hockeyville for Maple Ridge. All right. We are out of here. No if, no ifs, ands, buts, or maybes. Uh, time's up. Canuck Central on the way. Dan Riccio, Satya Shaw, home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650.